let's say that you're living the American dream, that you're getting close to the period of retirement in life and that you've saved up your money, you lived a clean life, you've not gone off the binge and been smoking marijuana through your youth and you've actually saved your money that you've actually invested, you wanted to save and you wanted, you wanted actually to have something when you retire. Most people put their money into their houses. That is their equity in their homes is their retirement. That's the money that they have. And because of that, many people have chosen to live in neighborhoods that are nice neighborhoods, not because they want to avoid certain races or certain classes of people, but because they want to have homes that are nice and they want to have the homes that retain their value. That's what the American dream part of it is all about. And people who have invested that and saved all their lives, perhaps a person is serving in the military and with the military pay that they receive, they have saved their money and they invested in a nice home and they put it in a nice place. And that's, that's the retirement that they have. That's the money they have. And so now when they come of age where they need to rely upon the money that they've saved, they have it in the home equity and they can sell the house. They might be able to be taken care of. The children can rest assured that they have money enough to take care of their parents when they're older. So that's, that's what freedom is all about. But that's what our government does not like. That's what our government is pulling against. That's what they're striving to curtail. And we're talking about one of the alphabet soups of the government, and that is HUD. And we've talked about several different government agencies, the alphabet soups. We'll talk about a couple of them in this show. One of them is the NEA, the National Education Association. We'll talk about that in a moment. But right now, HUD, that's Housing and Urban Development. And then we're going to, at the end of this, we're going to come back and look at what, where did we go wrong with this? So what's happening pertaining to HUD? Well, in the state of California, HUD is mandating through the California's Department of Housing and Community Development, which is an arm of HUD, the ratcheting up pressure on various California communities, such as Del Mar, Escondido, La Mesa, Lemon Grove, Oceanside, Salona Beach, and the prime vacation spot, which is a beautiful beach. It's just an island, and that's Coronado Island. They're ratcheting up pressure from Sacramento. That's the capital of California, Department of Housing and Community Development, HCD, part of HUD. Ratcheting up pressure to Coronado and the residents there to provide, quote, affordable housing for the poor and to address racial segregation that supposedly exists on the island of Coronado. That is according to KPBS News in December of 21st. Voluntary segregation is the crime of crimes. That's what they tell us. According to HUD, voluntary segregation causes more crime. Now, you might think, well, that's freedom. That's what freedom looks like. People voluntarily segregate and congregate with people that are more like them. That's why you find in many communities, you'll find black churches. You'll find white churches. You'll find some that are mixed, and that's fine. Everything that you want to do, that's, that's perfectly fine. If, I want to have a, if we want to have a church that is mixed, that's wonderful. Some communities have white churches, not because they've excluded the blacks, but because that's, that's what people, that's how they worship. And when you go to other communities, there are simply black churches. They have their own style of worship. I lived in East Arkansas for a while. I lived in a community that was named Earl, and it was approximately 90% black. And I found out that they had their black churches. They liked it that way. They had the black communities. They also had 
the black funeral homes that because they had a different rituals than the whites did in burying people. So I think that, well, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, that's what the government does not like. Voluntary segregation is the crime of crimes. It causes more crime. That's what HUD tells us. Baltimore, Maryland, for example. HUD has argued that the bunching of people together causes crime. That's a direct quote. The bunching of people together causes crime. That is ludicrous. The nanny state socialistic solution, therefore, is integrate neighborhoods. Now, you've heard about integrating schools. That's what we did back in the 50s. We allowed the federal government to step in into a role that the founding fathers did not assign it, and that is integrating the schools, not against integration, but I'm against the federal government being the enforcement arm of it. Now, what they've done with schools, the government is now doing with neighborhoods. In Baltimore, for example, $30 million of taxpayer money was spent to put low-income housing in affluent neighborhoods. What do you think happens to the neighborhoods? What do you think happens to the equity in the homes that, that are there in the affluent neighborhoods? Well, they lose their equity because property values decrease. Property values are eliminated. Property values, they lose their property values. They're losing money. Not only that, but they have to pay more money for crime. Crime goes up. The streets are less safe. It's not, a, it's not an idyllic setting. So people that are in retirement communities, they, that's just too bad. It's too bad for them. That's what the government says. It's just too bad. So we talked about Baltimore now focusing upon California, the state legislature following the suit that is following the same track has demanded that racial desegregation must occur in affluent neighborhoods and cities. Local communities must show that they're taking active steps to combat segregation. Because after all, segregation is linked to racist policies. If they're segregated, if there's a, if there's a community that's segregated, primarily white, that means they're racist. If a community is primarily black, I suppose they wouldn't say that they're racist. Or Hispanic, they wouldn't say that. But, boy, if you've got a white neighborhood, they're going to say you're racist. What happens when you go to a black church? Are they racist because they're segregated? We're overlooking freedom, but that's what they're doing in California. And so the primary target is, and the first city to receive a threatening letter is the city of Coronado. Coronado is a beautiful vacation spot right on the beach. Coronado has Hotel Del Coronado. Movies have been shot there. It's just an idyllic setting. In the evening, people walk around. They have different restaurants. They have a few bars. They have bookstores. They have ice cream shops. Those are my favorite places to go, ice cream shops. The bookstore's ice cream shop. That's my stops. And people are walking around enjoying the nice weather because Coronado's right there on the, on the coast of California. But no, no, <clears throat> Sacramento tells us and tells Coronado, <clears throat> you have to integrate. And if you don't integrate and show plans that you're going to put in 912 low-income housing units on Coronado, then you're going to be fined up to $100,000 a month. Incredible, isn't it? I, I am saddened by not only the government's socialistic policies. This is social justice. This is what this is. It's going not, it doesn't bring everybody up. It brings everybody down. It depletes your home value. It depletes the quality of your neighborhood. 
It depletes the kind of place that you live. It depletes your schools, the school system that you'll be in. It depletes it all. It erases it. You no longer get to choose where you want to live because the government's going to choose who is going to be your neighbor. You can't choose who your neighbor's going to be. That's what they want. But what makes me particularly sad is the Coronado Community Development Director is Richard Grunow. He scrambles to tell KPPS that the city is working on a housing element that zones for all 912 homes that it has been assigned. That's a direct quote. Isn't that amazing? We've come to a country. People are coming here because they want freedom, and yet the government is assigning, making assignments for who lives where. Incredible, isn't it? Well, Coronado, just off the coast of San Diego, is going to absolutely change because when you change the demographics, when you change the economic status, you're changing what actually takes place and what the city looks like. This is in the name of social justice. The federal government, in this case, the state of California, has decided that people who have worked, saved, earned a retirement so they can purchase a valuable home in a safe neighborhood are racist. It's unfair, says Joe Biden, that you live in a majority white neighborhood with expensive home values. White privilege, don't you know? Now, of course, if you're Obama on Martha's Vineyard, he's not about to put 912 units of low-income housing next to his mansion. No, he's not about to do that because they know this is just for you. The HUD rules and the HUD program is only for the people. And Joe Biden in his home in Delaware, he's not going to put this up there. Now, the program by HUD is called AFFH, Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing. And it dismisses the rule of law and order in place of what is called fairness. If you have a nice house located in a nice neighborhood, you're going to have to sacrifice those blessings for social justice nonsense. If you worked all your life to save your money, if you not participated in licentious living with the rest of the country and now have a savings account that you've invested in a nice home, too bad. Government says you're racist, discriminatory in your selection. Low-income housing. It always devalues the properties surrounding it. It will bring back socialism's balance. And that's what socialism does. It balances things to the lowest common denominator. Property rights, who cares? Property rights, gone. Now you think, well, that's California. No, this is HUD. This is the government agency, Housing and Urban Development. And it's coming to a neighborhood near you. Milton Freeman put it this way in 1999. The Department of HUD has done an enormous amount of harm. They have destroyed parts of cities under the rubric of eliminating slums. There have been many more dwelling units torn down in the name of public housing than have been built. That's exactly the record of the government. But it is, as mentioned, coming to a community near you. We'll be back in a moment. Let's bring in the Constitution in this discussion regarding HUD. And let's ask the question, where have we gone wrong? Well, We've gone wrong back in what is called the progressive era. That would be the socialistic era. Progressivism is socialism. That's what it is. So the intrusion of the federal government into areas that this Constitution specifically forbade it to be involved in, housing and urban development, began in 1892. Congress appropriated $20,000 for the Secretary of Labor there to study slums in American cities. What's the problem? The problem is that that is not the province of the federal government. 
Same thing happened continually. At that point, they had the foot in the door. And when they get the foot in the door, as you know very well, and we'll talk about it later in this program, they continue to run amok over the rights and liberties of people. So by 1922, Secretary of Commerce Herbert Hoover launches Own Your Own Home campaign, which seeks to increase home ownership. The program backfired during the Depression as mortgage payments became unaffordable and foreclosures skyrocketed. Well, <clears throat> what happened? They began to push people into homes because, after all, the government wanted to be the nanny state, take care of us. Just what the federal government should not be doing and just what the founding fathers said it could not do. But they said, we're going to do it anyway. But it became on steroids in the 1930s. That would be, of course, during FDR's period of time. FDR takes office 1933. Immediately, the Homeowners Loan Corporation was established to refinance the mortgages of distressed home buyers. So the federal government's going to save us all. Federal government intruding itself into an area that the founding fathers had forbidden it to do. 1933, same year, the Public Works Emergency Housing Corporation was created to allow the federal government to directly engage in the construction of low-income housing and slum clearance. One of the great conservatives of that period, and I, I don't know if you remember his name or not, but his name is Hamilton Fish. He was a Republican from New York. He calls FDR's program a concrete example of the socialistic tendencies of the New Deal. That's what this is. It's we're talking about socialism. Socialism is the mantra that HUD works under. As a matter of fact, that's what our entire federal government works under, the idea of socialism. Well, Hamilton Fish had it exactly right, but that didn't stop FDR. As a matter of fact, people don't realize this, but when FDR floated his New Deal, which were works, the, the Public Works Association, uh, in, in, a mul in a multiplicity of others, do you realize the Supreme Court, all nine justices, declared that every one of his programs were absolutely, teetotally, out of line with the Constitution. They were unconstitutional because the federal government was not given that authority. Well, what did FDR do? Well, power politics came into play, and he threatened to pack the Supreme Court. He began to put pressure on them, and next thing you know, they replaced one and then the other, and then the Supreme Court began to cave. And this is why when the Supreme Court comes out and says a thing or two about some particular law, you better take it with a grain of salt because they're only following the power politics of the day. That's what's happening. Well, that was 1933. 1934, Time Magazine reported of all the fronts along with the president has attacked depression, the housing sector has been the scene of the fewest victories, the most defeats. Impressive headlines have heralded impressive programs which have quickly petered out in obscure failure. Why are these programs failing? Because the federal government is not equipped to do these things. That's why Milton Freeman said the federal government has caused more problems with housing than it has solved. And that is true. Not only so, but through the years, different agents that works in the, in the, working in the different agencies of the federal government have grafted to the tune of billions and billions of dollars taking it out. How is that the case? Because once a program is taken to the federal level, you cannot really keep your hawk eye on it. You can't watch what's going on. You don't know where's, where the money is. You don't know right now. 
Biden's, for example, Biden's, the stimulus packages that he's been cramming through, trillions of dollars, we, we can't account for that. Who can account for it? Where does it go? It goes into the pockets of all these socialists. That's what happens. And they have all these programs that don't amount to anything. And so we're seeing the suffering of it in Ohio right now, in Palestine, East Palestine, Ohio. Because the EPA is, that's another one of the alphabet soups, the EPA, they're all about environmental protection, but the government at the same time is blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline, one of the greatest natural disasters that has ever taken place. They don't care. No. This is what happens when you turn over to the federal government that which has been left to the states and to local communities, and you can't manage it. But as we're going to see before this program ends today, this is now being taken even to the federal level. If we can get time to that, or at not the federal level, but the international level. If we get time, we'll get to that. Following the Department of Housing and Urban Development 1954 major scandals, once again, strike the FHA, Federal Housing Association, known as windfall scandals leading to investigations, congressional hearings. And due to sloppy management at FHA, many builders pocketed millions of dollars of unearned profit for mortgage loans that exceeded the cost of construction. Amazing, isn't it? But that's not, you know what? Here's, here's, the, here's another just sad, sad fact. It's one, of those, it's one of the facts that really are irritating, and that is when the American people and when politicians see that we've gone wrong, that we've done wrong, you would think that they might backtrack and come back and say, okay, something's not going right here because this was a pattern now of behavior with the federal government. What did they do? Well, you come up to Lyndon Johnson, 1965, and that would be, of course, the Great Society. And he put it, 1963, to be specific, he put it on steroids. He ushers in an era of massive federal intervention into state, local, private affairs, and he calls it the Great Society. Hundreds of new federal programs, including housing programs, creating a cultural welfare dependency that has been costly to America, and it right now is just eating the soul out of America, right now. And that's what's happening. If we had time, we'd go into the Eagle Pruitt housing project that he put in St. Louis. It was, it was the most incredible failure that you can ever read. Billions of dollars put into these housing projects, great big, look like giant, giant apartment complexes, and the, the rule was that you had to be a single mother to get in there. So many black families, the fathers would say, okay, well, you'll be single. And that caused the fathers to desert. They would try to visit the wives at night. They would be discovered, and then they would kick the family out. So pretty soon you have just a slum. It was a slum. They finally had to tear it down. It became a huge slum area in St. Louis. That's a federal program. But they want the slum to come near you. That's what they want to happen at Coronado also. They look at Coronado, primarily white, middle class, even upper class people, retired military. People have worked all their lives, been commanders in the Navy, commanders in the Air Force. They buy a nice property. Oh, you're racist, and so we're going to destroy your property. We're going to take away your property values. That's what the federal government's all about. That's what HUD's all about. And that their program is called the Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing. All right. Now, before, <clears throat> before I go to break, let me mention this. 
We've rebranded the program. We call it Patriotic Pulpit. You can find it on Amazon Music app. You can uh, you can find it also on other apps as well. Amazon Music is just one of them. Uh, but it is Patriotic Pulpit. Amazon Music app is also on Spotify. It's another app that you can uh, purchase and put it on your phone and you can have it. Also, uh, the man that's behind the scenes, one of the per- persons behind the scenes with the program, he actually puts up short clips of different segments of the program, and they put it up under Patriotic Pulpit. So you can find it there as well. Now, articles that are right pertaining to all these subjects and more also, you can find on News Talk 1290 website. That's News Talk 1290, and that's here. I still have the website American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. You can donate if you will and if you wish. There's a donate button there. So that's how you get to my material. Now, also, I preach in the Iowa Park Church of Christ. And you can find my material there, iowaparkcoc.org, iowaparkcoc.org. So I'm, I have sermons that are posted there. I have articles. I have much materials, a lot more than you can find even on Patriotic Pulpit. So that's how you can get in touch with me, and I'm happy to hear from you. So uh, go to Patriotic Pulpit, that would be the apps, and also Iowa Park COC, Church of Christ, that is, iowaparkcoc.org. We'll be back in a moment. In the first two segments of the program, we've talked about HUD, Housing and Urban Development, one of the agencies of the government, one of the unconstitutional agencies of the government. People sometimes ask me, well, why don't we just get rid of some of those agencies? Well, <clears throat> the story I'm about to tell you is in this illustration of another agency, the National Education Association, which President Ronald Reagan rightly pointed out it's unconstitutional once again, the American people let the federal government government become the nanny state, the caretaker of us all. And so they created, under Jimmy Carter's administration, the National Education Association. But Ronald Reagan himself, even though he was a great, great president, he was unable. He did not have the strength enough. That is, he tried, but he was unable to get rid of the NEA. Once these government programs have become locked into place, it seems that they stay there. They are there eternally. And this next story shows us why we should never have gone in that direction to allow the federal government intruding itself into education, common core standards notwithstanding. Well, there's a, this is, by the way, you can read some of this on Fox News. I just picked up some of the pieces of the story and have a couple of comments to make on it. A Washington teacher, that's Washington State, a teacher wishes to keep students' secrets and the secret info from what he calls, or she calls, Christo-fascist parents. All right. Fox News Digital tells us in an article by Joshua Nelson, a teacher in Auburn School District 408, that's Washington State, Auburn School District. Karen Love is her name. She urges on Twitter in an exchange there that schools need to keep students' information secret from their parents. Karen Love. She was responding to a tweet from another one who encouraged parents to check your school district's policy regarding keeping info about your child's secret from you. There are some scary policies out there, wrote this Twitter handle. Schools should not have a right to keep info about your child from you unless abuse by you is suspected. All right, that's the tweet. So here's what Karen Love, one of the teachers, wrote. I cannot disagree with this more. So many students are not safe in this nation from the Christo-fascist parents, end of quote. All right, let's stop for a moment. Let's examine the ground here for a second. 
The Auburn School District in Washington State includes 17,000 students. The Twitter thread was posted by Ian Pryor, a senior advisor at American First Legal. Another Twitter user responded to Pryor, who posted these tweets, by confirming that librarians think exactly this, just like Karen Love, that is, full of full-on religious discrimination, discrimination that is full-on, and to defend school kids getting graphic child porn as school books, pound sign AASL23 will be loaded with such groomers and at ALA Library will be training more all-taxpayer-supported, of course. That is, librarians in the public schools there in Auburn, Washington, are defending child porn and the children having access to it. Other parents have rightly become alarmed at all of this, what's going on there, and they're filing public records requests to the Auburn School District to obtain emails of love that contain any words regarding transgender, gender, and other related items. But as you know, it takes almost an act of Congress to get the liberals to be forthcoming in what really they're about. So let's ask the question, what is wrong with this picture? We talked about HUD. Now we're talking about NEA. What's wrong with the picture? Well, there's so many things wrong with the picture. I hardly know where to begin, but first and foremost, is the obvious fact that far too many educators no longer believe that they're serving homes and being extensions of the family, but hardly suppose that they supplant the family. They believe that children are wards of the state. That's exactly what Karen Love believes, and that's what a lot of educators believe as well. And the state of Texas is not exempt from that idea. It is true that many families have become dysfunctional, but the fact remains, children belong to the parents, they belong to the biological families, and the biological family is the final authority on the education of the children. Surrogates of the state, that is, state educators, teachers, one of which I am, notwithstanding. Now, this belief, what does this belief come from? Well, it comes from Marxism. This is straight Marxist doctrine. This Marxist belief that children belong to the state has been ingrained into too many educators for too long by communist professorships at the university level who have brainwashed their students, who are now the teachers, and they themselves have been brainwashed by the socialistic credos to which they are goose-stepping. These professorships, in turn, fill our universities, and they are training our teachers. That's where the problem lies. Now, Friedrich Engels Marxist partner in crime and the diabolical theory of Marxism, authored an 1884 book entitled The Origin of the Family, Private Property, and the State. And in it, Engels unabashedly declared there ought to be, this is how he wrote it, unrestrained sexual intercourse between the sexes, that all people must be freed from the care of their own children so they can fill more socially productive roles, don't you know, in society. They want, you want to, you to be just a breeding machine and the fathers to be the fathering machine and turn the children over to the state immediately. After all, Ingalls argued, marriage is a recent invention based on man's lust for private wealth. That is, marriage has no basis in God, has no basis in biblical traditional morality, They didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in the Bible. And so marriage, it was a 
convention. It was a construction of the state that was designed to protect wealthy people's wealth, private wealth. And so children are to be considered wards of the state. So they want the women to birth. This is what Ingalls said. He wants the women to pop the babies out, turn them over to, to the herders. That it would be people who are keeping the sheep and they become wards of the state. No oversight by parents. They just breed them. Now, American educators have been brainwashed. Many of them have along the same line. That is the philosophy that Karen Love is espousing. Now, she may not espouse every one of those planks that we just mentioned by Ingalls, but the basic philosophical principle that children are wards of the state is exactly what many educators, including Karen Love, believe. Whether or not she went along the line with Ingalls and all of this, beside the point. Educators, too many of them, believe that children are wards of the state and it is the state's right responsibility to keep their children's, the children's secrets from their own parents. I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, it is diabolical, it is devilish, it is, it is wicked. But that's what's happening in our country. Now, here's another thing. The arrogant disposition that educators supplant parental rights is fostered by the unconstitutional movement that put education in the hands of the federal government to begin with. Our founding fathers, once again, said, look here, if you want to have freedom, how is it going to be, how is it going to be maintained? <clears throat> how are we going to accomplish it? How are we going to maintain it? Well, you're going to maintain it by keeping all, all of the abilities or all of your, all of your power close to home. That is, every, every leverage point that you have, you keep it close to you. You know that's the case. You know what? I, I had taught in juvenile detention for a long time, and I would present the, the kids in jail. These are kids in jail, junior high and high school. I would present them. I said, is it easier? Is it easier for you to change city hall? Is it easier for you to change the county government? Is it easier for you to change the state government? Or is it easier to influence the federal government? There, no one missed it. <laughs> No, no one misunderstood. They all understood very well. It's easier for me to influence the city hall of Wichita Falls or whatever city I may live in than it is to influence the federal government. But when we take everything to the federal level, such as education, how much influence do you think you're going to have? That's right, zero, zero. And the federal government being in charge of education now has fostered the disposition that children become wards of the state. That just goes along with it. That's part of the program. That is why constitutionalists such as I am have opposed the National Education Association as being diabolical, as being inimical to the real education of children and unconstitutional to boot. Third, Karen Love, like many of her colleagues, have been, she has been so miseducated that the real danger posed to students comes out of people like Karen Love calls and calls parents and parental rights Christofascism. Her comments says it all, doesn't it? She doesn't understand Christianity. She doesn't understand what fascism is. There's so many people 
right here in this community. They think, well, fascism is something on the right. No, it's not. It's a leftist policy. Communism, Nazism, fascism, they're all on the left. They're all involving government control to one degree or another. And they're so far to the left. Christianity, the basis of our country, gave us the greatest freedoms that we have ever seen. As John Adams put it, the greatest freedom since the time of Adam and Eve. That's exactly right. Because it was founded upon a upon Christian principles, limited government, freedom under God, written right into the Declaration of Independence. Because that's the case, that's why we have the greatest freedom, or we had the greatest freedom in the world. But now, we've turned it upside down. We've moved the scale all the way to the other side where tyranny is now taking place. And that's what's happening with the NEA. That's what's happening in Washington State. Would that educators would learn a little bit about this? We'll be back in a moment. Now, I've wrestled with exactly what I'm going to do with my last 10 minutes of the program. And I, I want to look at an article by Epic Times. I have so many good materials in front of me. I mean, some of them are not so edifying, but uh, nevertheless, they're pretty informative. However, this article in the latest edition of, of Epic Times, I hope you get the Epic Times. It, what a great paper it is. February 22 through 28, it's a, a weekly paper. And this is what the headline, one of the headlines reads. U.S. negotiates a deal to give the WHO, we've been talking about the alphabet soup, authority over pandemic policies, World Health Organization. Now, remember the question that I left you with, which is easier to control? Local government, county government, state government, or federal government? Well, since Biden has taken office, They are putting on fast track. This is what they want to do. They are putting on the fast track to world government. They don't make any bones about it. They don't make any, they don't make any excuses for it. They're absolutely all out for world government and the world health organization. This is going to be, this is a shocking story. I, you know, when I I mentioned this kind of thing and I, I just think about all the silly, the silly lightheaded people who thought about, well, uh, we, we like, the, uh, we like uh, Joe Biden. We want to uh, ride in with Biden, and uh, we, we want to have uh, some of his ideas about health care. You know what? You don't even know what the score is. You don't even know what's going on. People are just so, so abysmally ignorant on, that le- on the left. They're abysmally ignorant. Most of the voters are. They're just absolutely out of it. Listen to this. This is, this is absolutely stunning. So there's a new international health accord subjects nations to WHO treatments, mandates supply chains, supply chains and surveillance. Okay. Here's, here's what's taking place. And this is basically, I'll just summarize it for you. Then we'll look at the pieces of the article. The WHO, they want to decide that's an arm of the United Nations. What is, and what, classifies as a health emergency. That's number one. We will tell you what a health emergency is. Number two, not only will we tell you what a health emergency is, but the signatory states, such as the United States, is going to have to follow our dictates. So in order to do that, they've even proposed out loud now, you can read it for yourself, a surveillance program to make sure, to ensure that the United States and all the signatory countries will follow their dictates and mandates. 
And then number three, they want to manage the responses. They, that is, <clears throat> manage how the United States handles pandemics. All right. Have you seen what's going on in China? China, they're the ones in control of the United Nations now. They're the ones in control of all these things. And China's held up as the model. What has China done? China's, they went and boarded up apartment buildings where people are dying in, this, in the apartments because, okay, they've got COVID. It's, it's absolutely horrendous, the lack of human rights that are there in China. And we can go on and on all day about that particular element, but that's the model. That's what they want to do in the United States. And so in order to bypass Congress, because Joe Biden knows enough about the Constitution, he doesn't know diddly about it really, but he knows enough to know that this is going to be shot down by a Republican House of Representatives and perhaps even the Senate as well. And so they're going to try to go skirt the Constitution and sign on as a treaty, make it a treaty. So, we, you know, we, they think they're going to be immune from criticism and immune from cross-examination by signing on as a treaty. Now, that's in an outline form what's taking place. So here's the article. The Biden administration is preparing to sign up the United States to a legally binding accord with the World Health Organization that would give the Geneva-based United Nations Health Agency the authority to dictate America's policies during a pandemic. And we already, we already know that the mainstream media in MSNBC, NBC, CBS, CNN, all of them have lied consistently about the origins of the pandemic. They lied. And they, they simply took the talking points that were put out by the Chinese government and they told us that it's absolutely ludicrous to suppose that it came out of a wet Chinese, or a Chinese wet market. <clears throat> but we know that's, of course, the case, what, exactly what happened right now. So they continually lied about it when it was already proposed by President Trump and others that that's exactly the origin of it. And the mainstream media, they just, oh, they couldn't stand that, that, oh, we would say it came out of China. Well, <clears throat> now they want the World Health Organization to take over the management of any future pandemics. Remember, this is what they want to do. World government, and they're going to do it by pandemic. Despite widespread criticism, the article goes on to say, of the WHO's response to the COVID pandemic, U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra joined with the WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus in September 2022 to announce the U.S. slash WHO strategic dialogue. Together, they developed a platform to maximize the longstanding U.S. WHO partnership and to protect and to promote the health of all people around the globe, including the United States, the American people. All right, so what does that mean? That means equity. That's the E word, equity. That means we're going to, you're going to pay for the health care of people around the world. It's not good enough that we have a nationalized health care system, Obamacare, that they cram down our throats, unconstitutional, be it uh, that as it may. Now they want to do it internationally. They're putting it on steroids, a whole global government on steroids. And so what they're telling us 
They believe in equity, which means everybody in the world gets vaccinated, whether you need it or not. That's Dr. Merrill Nass, a physician. Equity means distribution, redistribution. The article goes on. These discussions and others spawned the zero draft of a pandemic treaty published on February 1, which now seeks ratification by all 194 WHO member states. So 194 countries, member states of the WHO. A meeting of the WHO's intergovernmental negotiating body is scheduled for February 27 to work out the final terms, which members will then sign. That took place last week. Written under the banner of the World Together Equitably, I told you we have equity there, the Zero Draft grants the WHO the power, now get this, the power to declare, manage a global pandemic emergency. Once a health emergency is declared, <coughs> excuse me, all signatories, including the United States, would submit to the authority of the WHO regarding treatments, government regulations such as lockdowns, vaccine mandates, global supply chains, monitoring, and surveillance of populations. All right. How do you like that? That is communism on steroids. The WHO and the United Nations, it's parent organization is a communist organization that we need to get out of. And I cannot understand how it is the case that anyone who wants to be informed would sign on to such a thing as this. If we want to have freedom, any vestige of freedom remaining, it just absolutely blows my mind. Well, they want to see a centralized vaccine and medication-based response and a very restrictive response in terms of controlling populations, according to David Bell, a public health physician and former WHO staffer specializing in epidemic policy. He told that to the Epic Times. They get to decide what is a health emergency, and they are putting in place a surveillance mechanism that will ensure that there are potential emergencies to declare. Absolutely stunning, breathtaking in their overreach, communist style. This is what the United Nations has always been about. This is what has been going on since 1945 with the United Nations and the WHO. It is past time that America gets out of this, but the Biden administration has plans for you. We're going to not only surveil you, we're going to have surveillance coming at a world level. That is coming out of Geneva. That's what's happening. The WHO pandemic treaty is part of a two-track effort, the article goes on to say, coinciding with an initiative by the World Health Assembly to create new global pandemic regulations. How do you like that? Global regulations that would also supersede the laws of member states. All right. What are the laws of this country? We thought we had laws that would regulate, help regulate us. No, these are going to supersede those laws. The World Health Assembly is the rulemaking body of the WHO comprised of representatives from the member states. And this is exactly what the Biden administration is signed on to. It is a signatory for world government. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Biden to be kicked out of office. He's incompetent anyway. But be that as it may... 
Now's the 25th Amendment time to invoke that one, isn't it? Well, both initiatives are fatally dangerous. Francis Boyle, professor of international law at the University of Illinois College of Law, told the Epic Times, either one or both would set up a worldwide medical police state under the control of the WHO, and in particular, the WHO Director General Tedros. If either one or both of these go through, Tedros or his successor will be able to issue orders that will go all the way down the pipe to your primary care physicians. So not coming out of Washington, D.C., coming out of Geneva, coming out of the United Nations. All right, well, that's what's happening. How much time do I have on this one? Well, you know what? That's out of time. So, Epic Times, look at the article. United Nations, uh, United States negotiating the deal to give the WHO authority over pandemic policies by administration turning you over to a world government. 